Good morning, Cornerstone. Happy Sunday. Uh, real quick, before I get into my message today, I uh, just want to let anyone know that as a part of our community, you consider this your home and you missed our vision nights this last week. Uh, we can share the recording of that meeting with you. It's really important, and um, we'd encourage you to, to let us know so we can share some of the information of some changes that are taking place here at Cornerstone. But just wanted you to know that if you miss those vision nights, you still have an opportunity to, to tune into the meeting, and even there's time to interact with the staff and elders and myself. And so I uh, wanted to say that um, as we begin to just kind of move on and make some changes here at Cornerstone. All right, today I'd like to start with a story of something that I'm not very proud of. This time, about eight years ago, we were in the middle of selling our home in Louisville. We had just had our fourth son, Jude, and so, uh, as Jim Gaffigan says, we were drowning in a sea of baby or a sea of boys, and then someone threw us a baby. That's exactly what happened to us. And uh, we thought it'd be a good time in the middle of having a newborn and three other kids and a bunch of other stuff going on to sell our house and to move into a new one. And so we had gone under contract with what was my dream home. It wasn't a very large house, but it was on an acre and a half, which around here is like hard to get, right? That's a lot of land. And I had dreamed for years growing up in a small town that I would have, uh, have myself a farm. And so this was the closest thing I would ever get to having a farm, being a pastor. And so we had found the house, and I was so excited to get it. And uh, we had been through, uh, we were under contract, we had been through the inspection, we had started putting some money up, and we were thinking about doing some remodels. And the Monday before we're meant to move out of our house that coming Friday and move into this new house, we get a call that the lady selling us the house <clears throat> was backing out of the deal. So we were under contract. We were packing up our house, packing up our babies, and getting ready to move in just a few days. And we get a call that says, the deal is off. And I began to go into a panic. What do you mean the deal is off? This can't happen. We've signed two contracts. We've put a lot of money forward already. How could this happen? What can we do to stop this injustice is what I was thinking. And so what I was told about the only option we had is that we could sue this lady for the house that we were under contract with. As soon as I heard that option, I said, absolutely, let's sue her. <laughs> it's not a joke, for real. I was like, yes, I have something that I can do. We're going to sue this lady and get our dream house. And Elise, if you don't know Elise, she's my wife, she said to me, she said, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sue this lady. And I think this means that this isn't our house. And I said, oh, no, you're wrong. This is our house, and we're going to sue her, and we're going to get our house. And she kept saying, I, I, I don't want to sue this lady. I don't think this is our house. A day or two into this whole thinking about whether or not we were going to sue this lady, I couldn't sleep. I was so angry. I didn't know what to do. I felt like we were, we were victims of something terrible, which it certainly wasn't. But Elise said a few days later, she said, I don't think it's wise for us to sue this lady and buy, that, buy this house. Now, in my life, wisdom is one of those things that I value just about more than anything. That courage, faith, I, those are things that I, I really value. And I like to think that I'm someone that will always kind of like bow their heart, bow their mind, bow, bow their understanding to wisdom and God's wisdom. And I also know that God often speaks to me through my wife. So as soon as she said that, I thought, oh, crap. I got to listen a little more. And so I listened to Elise and 
I began to pray, and the Lord didn't share the same exact wisdom he shared with her. All he kept saying to me is, it's wise to listen to your wife. (laughs) So I lost. That lady won. My wife won, and I lost. And we moved in with my in-laws for three weeks. During that time, we moved all of our possessions into a storage unit in Louisville that happened to be a storage unit right next to Coal Creek just days before the thousand-year flood. (laughs) Coal Creek flooded, everything in all those storage units flooded, and so all of this is happening, and I'm thinking, see, we should have sued her. I'm going back on the wisdom. Every night, the four of us or the four of our boys and actually the six of us and our dog crammed into my mother and father-in-law's house every night. I thought, see, we should have sued him. But Elise was absolutely right. She had shared some wisdom that I needed. Uh, Later on, we ended up finding a house, a house that we had looked at several times before. We didn't think we wanted that house. It was actually the perfect house for us. And looking back eight years later, I'm so grateful that God stepped in and spoke wisdom to my wife, and she spoke wisdom to me, and it spared us of so many things. The other thing that was going on that time in my life is I was dealing with, with stress that I had never experienced before, and my body was actually beginning to break down, and I was starting to get very, very sick. Can you imagine what a lawsuit would have done for my stress? Sometimes God steps in and he speaks wisdom, But we're really wise when we ask for God's wisdom during those tough moments, those complicated times. And so, hey, today I want to talk to you about wisdom. We're in a series called The Upside Down Kingdom, where each week we're contrasting uh, the currencies of the world with the currencies of God's kingdom. This is how the world does it. This is always available to us. But once we begin to follow Jesus, we learn a new way of being human. We learn a new way of just living in the world. We, We learn a new way of buying houses and being married. And wisdom is one of God's currencies. And so today I want to contrast God's currency of wisdom and specifically seeking wisdom with what we are prone to do, which is just self-reliance. To trust in ourselves, to try a little harder, to research a little bit more, and to just rely on ourselves when wisdom is available to us all the time. Wisdom is something that we have to gain, something that we have to connect to. It's outside of us. It's very similar to courage. You can't just muster up courage when you need it. You need to get it from a past experience or you need to get it from a relationship, from a person. That's why God is so helpful when we're afraid. But the same is true for wisdom. We can't just be wise all of a sudden. We're either wise from past experiences where we now have understanding or most often we get wisdom from other people and from God. Wisdom is outside of us. And so it's outside of us, but it's always accessible. And the way the scriptures talk about it, we're going to look at a couple passages today, is it's very accessible. It's close. It's not hard to connect to God's wisdom. But it does require an openness. It does require some time. It does require humility. But God is willing to share wisdom. And by the way, you can think of wisdom in a lot of different ways. But the way I like to think of wisdom is living my life the way God would. It's God's insight. It's God's prudence. It's God's understanding to the things that I am dealing with. And so God is the wisest personality. He's the wisest person that has ever been. Jesus is the wisest person that has ever lived. And they are generous to share wisdom with us in our life, helping mirror what God would do with what we would do. There's three different ways we see wisdom often gained in the scriptures. The first is that wisdom can come from experience. Job chapter 12, verse 12, it says this, or verse, verse 2. Chapter 12, verse 2. 
Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? Now, just because we're older or getting older doesn't mean we're getting wiser. But age allows for more opportunity for wisdom. Not every experience makes a person wiser. But those experiences processed with God, understood through God's lens, allows us to become wiser people. And that is why having older people in your life that have submitted their life to God is very helpful because they've just had more opportunity in their life to gain wisdom. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1, we see see that we can gain wisdom from those wise people. So Solomon is writing to his son. It's one of the, the most important things I think parents can instill in their children, which is to seek wisdom. This is what he says to his son over and over again, by the way, in the book of Proverbs. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. So he's talking about what it means to be wise. He's also contrasting that with a fool, a mocker. Someone who is not wise is someone who doesn't listen to correction, rebuke, instruction, insight. Self-reliance and not relying on other people for help can actually make you a fool. Proverbs chapter 2, we see that wisdom can also come right from God, from the scriptures, from our time in prayer, from him speaking to us. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord wants all of us to be wise people. And he wants to make us into wiser people uh, tomorrow than we are today. And he's always available to help us navigate those difficult moments, those gray areas of life where there doesn't seem to be a playbook or instructions on how how to handle certain things. When I was 18, I was trying to choose a college and um, I wasn't a procrastinator, but I got to May of my senior year and hadn't chosen a school yet. And um, earlier that year, I thought that I was going to go certain places. Um, I thought I was going to end up at a Christian college because I felt like God was calling me into ministry. I had a dream of playing football, even though I wasn't very good at it. That was my plan. Well, that plan wasn't God's plan for me, and it didn't work out the way I wanted. I didn't like the school, and so I was back to the drawing board. I also wrestled at the time, and I was a lot better at wrestling than I was football, and in March of my senior year, I went away to a tournament, and I did really well, and I achieved an award and kind of an accolade, and as literally as I was walking off the mat after one match, I started getting recruited by a number of large schools, prominent wrestling schools, and so I began to think, well, maybe this is how I'm going to choose my college. About two hours later, the next match, I have a terrible injury, and I blow out my knee, It's an injury that I know now, but I didn't at the time, was so severe, I would never be the same. Ended up having seven knee surgeries over the course of the next three years, and my knee would never be better. I remember going home, praying about now all of these different options, lots of options that I didn't have before, to play a sport, to play football, to wrestle, to not play a sport, just to go to school and have fun. I didn't know what to do, and this was one of the first times in my relationship with Jesus that I earnestly, night after night, asked for wisdom. I had been walking with God since I was a middle schooler, but I hadn't had one of those moments that I didn't know what to do, and no one could tell me what to do, and night after night, I prayed that God would give me wisdom, and the Lord didn't exactly tell me what to do, but what he did share with me is he shared that my injury might take longer than they're telling me to heal. And the insight was, do you really want to go far away 
just to be hurt and to go through this rehabbing process. He was so right. So I ended up staying closer to home, which I was now very grateful for because, as I said, things never got better. But it was in those next years up in Greeley that uh, I had my first experience within ministry. I had connections there that led to this church. And the greatest connection of all is I met my wife while I was at UNC. The Lord spoke wisdom into my life, and I look back, and I'm so grateful that there were moments that I quieted myself enough to say, God, I need your help in understanding what to do. So wisdom over self-reliance. I thought about contrasting wisdom with research or information today, because isn't that what we do so often now? If we don't know what to do, we jump on our little powerful devices our phones, and we have access to endless articles, endless amounts of information. We can watch a a YouTube video on how to do just about anything, so everyone now can be an expert on certain things, and there's nothing wrong with research, but it's our self-reliance along with all of that information that often gives us confidence that we can make the difficult decisions in our life. We can navigate the complexities of hard relationships on our own. And so the problem isn't that we have so much information. The problem isn't that, uh, that we, we, we can be told what to do all the time. The problem is that we rely on ourselves and don't include God. Wisdom is what's missing in people's life. Insight, understanding, counsel, discernment, prudence. These are all different types of wisdom that we see in the scriptures. A lot of people don't understand what prudence is. This is something we need today, especially in the immediate world we live in, just immediate satisfaction. Prudence is seeing the end from the beginning. It's seeing how events connect. If I do this in this moment, it could lead to this. Prudence is one of those things that parents want for their kids, right? We want you to understand there are consequences, good and bad, to certain behaviors, God is generous to share wisdom. Ray Ortland says, the wisdom of God does not stand aloof as if she were too, too good for us. She graciously moves towards us into our real world where we live and struggle day to day. She offers us her very best if we will only listen. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna talk about how we actually gain wisdom. And I think this will be helpful because if you read in the scriptures, wisdom shows up in a number of different subjects like communication and money and sex and violence, and anger, and relationships, and romance, and friendship, all of these things. These are subjects we're given wisdom about in the Bible. <clears throat> but parents need wisdom. Think about the business owners, the type of wisdom they needed in the last year and a half. Businesses are shut down. Get these things they've never heard of called PPP loans. The amount of wisdom it took to sustain their business and try to take care of their employees. Think of the wisdom teachers had to use over the last year. Many of them wanting to be with their kids, but they couldn't. They're trying to do their best to take care of children. Wisdom will always be a need. And so, all right, let's go to James chapter one. It's a famous passage about wisdom that many of you know. I'll tell you this about James. James is the younger brother of Jesus, which is very cool. Wonder if that was hard on him, right? Probably wasn't that hard. Jesus was probably the best older brother anyone ever had. But James, when he's writing this, is actually a pastor, and he's pastoring his church, and he's trying to help his church understand what they need as they go through certain difficulties. So trials are taking place. We're going to see it here in the passage. 
And sometimes when people were facing trials, you know, we're encouraged in the scriptures to have faith, and sometimes we're encouraged to, to have courage. But here in this moment, the trial is requiring wisdom, and so this is what James is asking people to ask for. So what he says in verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He's just saying it refines your faith. It makes you stronger. It makes you more resilient. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the image that God's trying to create in you is often achieved during trials, okay? So it's an opportunity for him. And this, look at what he says in verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must not believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded double minded, and unstable in all that they do. And so I'm gonna explain a few parts of this passage. First of all, the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says is this, to want wisdom, to gain wisdom. It's having a desire, it's having the acknowledgement, the awareness that there is something that I need that I can't get on my own. So again, we come with a humble posture that wisdom comes from those past experiences that have helped us or it comes from certain relationships. If any of you lacks wisdom, it's a rhetorical statement, if cert, we, we certainly do. We all find ourselves in those moments that we don't know what to do. You know, over the years, I've been in certain moments where I've realized that I can't see everything I need to see. I don't understand everything. Life at times even feels like a mystery. God at times feels like a mystery. I don't know what he's doing. And so I go every day of my life through this this process of becoming more and more aware that I lack wisdom. I can't control my life. I don't see everything. And so the question, if anyone lacks wisdom, he's just playing games. All of us do. This is how the message reads. A manual for living, wisdom, to teach the inexperienced the ropes, to give the young a grasp of reality. There's something here for everyone, seasoned men and women, there's still more or even there's still more for even the experience to learn. Fresh wisdom waiting for you. In the middle of your struggle, when perseverance is required, when you're being tested, it's in that moment that we realize often that we need wisdom. Trials in life wake us up to our limits. When something is really, really difficult, we're aware that just like, I can't do this on my own. So if anyone lacks wisdom, that's the beginning of gaining wisdom. Verse five continues. Simple, you should ask. It's that simple. You should ask. It's not always easy. We'll see this in a moment, but it is simple. You should ask God. God who is for us. He delights in us. He smiles when he thinks about you. Even when we're not aware of his presence in our life, he is with us all the time. Every one of us, even if there's a person that's not aware of God, they belong to God and they rest in his hands. God is with us. And what happens is when we give our lives to Jesus, we're given this incredible gift and that is that Jesus actually wants to now lead us and resource our life. We should ask God because why? Because he's generous. God is always generous. He is generous to share 
He's generous to uh, give that insight that we need to show that how certain things may connect. And it's the vice of self-reliance that gets in the way. Why don't we ask? Because we're so convinced that we can do it on our own. Pastor in Philadelphia, Paul Tripp says, it's not our weakness that keeps us from God, it's our illusions of strength. So in those moments, those complicated situations, the gray area, what keeps us from asking for wisdom is our belief that we can handle it all on our own. It can also be that we believe that there's no one there to help us. And that's why it's fun getting to be a pastor. I get to stand up here every Sunday that I preach and talk about a God that is real, that is with us, that loves us and wants to help us. God is present in our life. Here in this passage, it says, you should ask the Lord. You should ask God. Anyone that lacks wisdom should ask God. Now, there's a certain word that shows up here in the Greek, and it's the Greek word para. And para actually describes the type of asking we should should have when we come to the Lord, the type of posture, the way in which we ask him. It's not impersonal. It's not a request you might bring to your boss. It's something much more personal. Para indicates the idea that you have to get very, very close to someone. It's even used to describe a relationship that is side by side. And so when we're meant to ask God for wisdom, we're meant to get very, very close to him, even side by side in friendship or in love, in relationship. Here's a way to illustrate it. So in our home, on a given day, there are literally thousands of requests that come from our sons. Most of them come to Elise. But sometimes, you know, they'll come to me. And we have our youngest is Jude, and he's eight years old. And when Jude really, really wants something, he won't uh, request it from upstairs, yelling down the stairs. He will come down the stairs, and he will get very, very close to his mom, or he'll get very, very close to me, and he'll say softly, Mommy, can I have, or Mommy, can you do this for me, or Daddy, will you help me with this? Now, it's really easy to say no to all the requests that are coming from the basement or upstairs when they're being yelled down. We just even ignore them sometimes. (laughs) No human would be able to handle all those requests. But when the boys come and get very, very close and say, Daddy, will you help me with this? I don't care what football game is on. (laughs) The answer is almost always yes. Or give me a moment. And their mom is always saying yes. That's the word that's used to describe coming to God and asking for wisdom. To get very, very close. What does that require? You know what it requires? It requires stopping what you're doing and not just screaming in the midst of the busyness. See, one of the things that uh, the boys are smart and when they do that is they know that they're valuing the relationship and they're actually giving us as parents something that we love, which is that closest with our kids. God is the same way. When you need wisdom, sometimes you have to stop. You have to slow it down. You have to get quiet. And you have to get very, very close to the Lord and ask for his wisdom and then wait. Verse 5 continues. He gives generously without finding fault. So, of course, God is generous. But notice that without finding fault. He will never say to you, you got yourself into this mess. 
He will never say to you, I'm tired of giving you wisdom. God does not keep records. He doesn't keep score. Your relationship with him is not transactional. It's not a trade that if you do something, then he's gonna give you something back in return. It's like the dad, the son comes to him and gets very, very close. He's like, I am so pleased, so glad to help you once again. God cares more about your life than even you do. He cares more about those complicated decisions. He cares more about those difficult relationships. He cares more than you do. And so he is not keeping score. In fact, what he is always, always waiting for is another opportunity to bring his insight, his understanding, his truth into our life. Now, here's one of the ways the Lord gives without finding fault is he sends people in our lives. So you can't really talk about wisdom without wise counsel. Lisa's wise counsel for me often shared that earlier. God sends people in our life to share his insight. We can seek people out to gain his insight. And this is different than just having advisors. So, you know, um, I like reading just kind of uh, stereotypes and generalities of the different generations. We probably have four generations here in the room today. I won't say which generations, but there are certain generations that are much more independent that don't like to ask for wisdom. They don't have as many friendships. Friendship is a place that wisdom is shared. There are other generations that will literally have dozens of advisors. It's just more information. That isn't necessarily wisdom. Wisdom is how God would live if he were in your shoes, how God would make this decision. And it takes not just advisors, it takes people who they themselves are submitting to the wisdom of God. And so we all handle this differently, but the truth is we need people in our lives. The Lord gives us parents. Hopefully you've all had wise parents, but I know not all of you have. But we see in the scriptures that the Lord gives us spiritual parents to do what? To speak wisdom into our life. God gives us a church and community so that you might be around peers and other people that can speak wisdom into your life. The Lord gives you pastors to help speak wisdom into your life. There's a number of ways that God brings wisdom to us. And sometimes he surprises us. Many years ago, I was up here on a Sunday. Um, it was one of those, it was during those years that I only spoke maybe once or twice a month. And I don't even remember exactly what the, the tone of the message was or the subject of the message, but I had described how I was really struggling to control my anger when I was coaching my boys in wrestling. And at the time, it was probably just my older two because it was so long ago. And this was a surprise to me. I, I was I almost hijacked on a weekly basis by my emotions in something that doesn't really matter. I don't care. I mean, I would get red-faced and I would be ready to break every table and scream at everyone in a moment. And then... 10 minutes later, I'd just think, what a maniac. And I'd feel terrible. And so I was sharing just that struggle and, and uh, even how I was considering whether or not it was gonna be a good thing for me to coach my boys moving forward. And um, a little lady who has since passed, she was in her, in her 80s, she came up here after the service and said, Brian, can I talk to you? I'd only met her one time, previous Sunday uh, in the months before, and she said, I want to tell you a story. And I thought, oh, no. Because usually when you start getting stories on Sundays, it, it's, it doesn't usually end well. I mean, it's like you hear something strange or people give you some weird comment. 
But this is a story she told me. She said, you know, my husband was a wrestling coach, just like you. And our son wrestled. And early on, he used to let his emotions get the better of him. And it was hard on their relationship. And he considered quitting being a coach. But he didn't. He changed. And to this day, even though his father has passed, one of my son's most cherished memories are those Saturdays of his dad coaching him. So I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, God, are you speaking to me? Absolutely he was, right? That lady is a part of the, the, the body of Christ. She's the manifest presence of Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit, Jesus spoke wisdom through another woman to me. So rather than just saying, I can't handle it and I need to quit, what she spoke to me is it's worth it. It's worth figuring out how to do this well. That was wisdom. Let's continue with James, verse six. But when you ask, you must not believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. If that person, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. All right, I wanna explain this because this sounds pretty harsh. The word that's being used here is not the word that, that, you know, the word that's being used here is the word doubt, but it's not really a good translation from what James is saying. James is not describing some intellectual doubt that um, there is a God or that God could speak to us. That is something that we all always deal with. God, are you listening? Can you help me? That's why faith is required. Faith is just this wrestling with doubt, and doubt is a part of faith. He is not describing the questioning that often occurs. The word that should be used here, and later on it's, it's clarified, is, um, is mixed emotions or being double-minded or double of heart. Here's what James is saying. If you ask God for wisdom, but your heart is divided in its loyalties, you will not hear from the Lord. And here is why. Wisdom is of heaven. Wisdom exists to build God's kingdom. Wisdom exists to bless us in God's way, in God's good order. Wisdom exists to make all things new, including us. Those are all ways to describe what the kingdom of God is, after, is about. Wisdom is a resource for all of those things. God will not pour out wisdom in someone's life when they themselves are off trying to build their own kingdom or honor themselves or do things their way. Wisdom is a particular resource that is used in God's kingdom to build up his people and to further his purposes in the world. And so what James is saying here is, don't be double-minded. Don't ask for heavenly resources to go build earthly kingdoms. Don't ask for wisdom, a heavenly resource, just to go get even in a relationship or to get a leg up. No, ask for wisdom for reconciliation because that's what God is resourcing. That's what the kingdom is like. Ask for wisdom on how to be generous because that is what the kingdom is like. Ask for wisdom on how to increase relationship, not decrease relationship with other people because that is what the kingdom is like. So it's easy to ask for wisdom, but it's not simple, and this is why. Because every one of us, as uh, uh, Richard Foster says, is a mixed bag of motives. This is part of the journey with Jesus, is being aware of the things that we are pursuing that he is not. 
It's being aware of those things that the Bible calls idols in our life that God wants to take down. Idols are those things that we love, trust, and serve more than God. And we all have them. And we deal with one, and there's another one to deal with. God knows this. He's there to help us. But James is saying here, don't be double-minded. At the very least, have a desire to say yes to God, submit to God, even though if you might not know all of those ways of the kingdom. And in that moment, when you're saying, coming to God and asking for wisdom, and you're asking for wisdom so that his purposes might increase for his will to actually take place in your life, then wisdom will come. See, the problem is not really whether or not we question can God do it, but God is not interested in resourcing our own agendas. And one of the reasons for that is that he knows that it leads to just pain. God is after joy in our life. Joy comes from his ways, and so wisdom is a path to joy that he wants to share with us. All right, let me share a few more things just about where wisdom comes from, and submitting to God's idea. There's a parallel passage, I think, in the book of Proverbs that's really, really similar to what James is saying. And, uh, I mean, we can know with some certainty, James being a student of the Bible, he would have read Proverbs chapter eight many times in his life. And I think it's kind of from this idea and even the teaching of Jesus that he said, get very, very close to God. He's generous. He wants to share it with you. But look how close he describes wisdom. Now notice this too, he's being very wise. So Solomon is a father and he's speaking to his son and he likens wisdom to a beautiful woman. He's smart, like he, he knows what his son, is, his son is thinking about. But in the scriptures, wisdom is referred to in a feminine way, Sophia in the Greek, okay? So let me read you a few passages from Proverbs chapter eight. Verse one, does not wisdom call out? Does not wisdom, under, does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand besides the gate leading into the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud to you, O people, I call out, I raise my voice to all mankind. She has a voice that's calling out. Verse 18, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold, What I yield surpasses choice silver. Verse 22, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. Verse 30, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Here's what I want you to see. Wisdom is very, very close to us, but wisdom seems to be with the Father from the beginning. So notice that last passage. She is there also rejoicing over the whole world and delighting in mankind. Solomon is saying to his son, it's like a woman that is calling out, is that close? It's better than gold and silver. Her wisdom is ageless. She was there from the beginning and she is there with the father. Now here's what Solomon was saying that I'm not quite sure if he understood how profound his words were. 
This is how God works. God takes stories in the Old Testament and they're speaking about different things, but all along there's another story that's being communicated. There's multiple messages. Who is the one that we were told that has been with the Lord from the beginning? Who is the one that stands with the Father at the right hand and delights in mankind today? It's Jesus, right? Remember the book of John, how it starts? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. You could almost insert the word wisdom the way the Old Testament talks about it. In the beginning was the wisdom and it was with God and it was God. And today that wisdom still speaks out. Union with that person is greater than gold and silver. That person has been with the Lord from the beginning and that person today stands with the Lord, looks upon the world and takes delight in mankind. Here's what I think Solomon was saying without knowing it. He's saying, if you want to be a wise person, you need to join your life to Jesus. He's the wisest person that ever lives, but he is the manifestation of all the wisdom in the world. And that is why James could say, ask, get very, very close, and the Lord will give it to you. Because he knows where it comes from. It comes from this loving union with his older brother. So what this means for me is in those moments when I really need wisdom, I'm aware that I'm lacking. If anyone needs wisdom in the midst of a trial, when I'm trying to persevere, it means that I need to spend some time in wise counsel asking other people. It means I need to consider past experiences. But what it means above all other things is that I need to get very, very close with Jesus. I need to take the time in the midst of the busyness In the midst of the big decisions, life is too important not to slow down at times and to join my life with his, to be with him. And this is what I found. I found when I'm with him and I come into those moments with an agenda like, God, I've got to get an answer right now. I usually don't get what I'm wanting. But when the agenda is to be with him, to be at his right hand, to delight in him, to enjoy him, That is when I am best able to listen and to hear his wisdom. God's amazing that way. He is generous. He is close. He is available. Wisdom is not something as the Gnostics describe some secret knowledge that, that you need a really good teacher to experience. You just simply need to know him and God will make you wise. And so now we get back to the contrast we started with. Wisdom and self reliance Isn't self-reliance the thing that actually keeps us from Jesus? I'm enough on my own. I can save myself. I can lead myself. I can resource myself. It gets back to that fundamental beginning of all of this is to be poor in spirit, to recognize our need for God and to come to him. And when that happens, so many things occur. God brings salvation and hope and leadership and courage, but he brings wisdom. And so I'd like to close by just uh, giving you a chance today to hear from the Lord, and then I want to pray a blessing on anyone who's really needing wisdom today. And so let's go to the quiet place of prayer and just close our eyes and try to uh, separate ourselves from any distraction.
And as we start, I just want you to be aware of God's presence here in the room. He is with you and he is for you right now in this moment. Now, as we prepare to ask God for just wisdom in our life, I want you to ask him another question first. What is it that he wants to speak wisdom to you about? Because often it's not the thing that we think matters the most. What is that decision? It takes wisdom to wait. It takes wisdom to choose a school. It takes wisdom to lead a business. It takes wisdom to lead a family. Takes wisdom to know when to do certain things. Takes wisdom to navigate complicated relationships. Most likely what he's revealing is in the midst of a trial, something difficult. He's with you. Now let's ask God to speak. Let's ask God for wisdom, not just in these few minutes that we're setting aside now, but in the days and weeks to come. Wisdom often comes as we take our time to listen. So, Father, speak wisdom to us. This moment, later tonight, tomorrow, next week, help us be patient and to wait on you until you help us. lastly, Father, I want to bless any of my friends in the room today or who are watching at home who are in a place where they are stuck. Breakthrough needs to happen. We pray that the power of God would be expressed in their life with wisdom. I bless them with your divine insight, understanding from heaven, the prudence that only God can, can share with someone else. I bless them with those things. And so for those that have been stuck for a very, very long time, God, I pray for a breakthrough. We thank you that you are a God that is with us, for us, is generous. May we be like children who get very, very close and ask for what we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.